Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. All right, here we go. Starburst coming out. Unwrapping a smile. What's up? Did you eat all the reds? No. Oranges? No. Okay. They're all in there. I actually pulled out. I don't know if you saw that. I pulled out four Starbursts and got the full Panoply. Look at that. Pink, yellow, orange, and red. That's a sign. You know, it's going to be a great podcast. It's going to be a great podcast. Folks, this is Catholic stuff. We're not eating Asian Kit Kats. <laughs> We're eating Starburst. Eating Starburst. Father John, Father Nathan, I got two reds and an orange. I'm, I'm taking this. This, this is a good did you Did you look in the bag? No, I grabbed them. I promise. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll save you the yellows, you know. These are from uh, Father Friedel. Uh, okay, from Decatur. Decatur. He is now uh, a, the pastor of Our Lady of Lords, uh, which also oversees St. Thomas Parish in Decatur, Illinois. Oh, really? Just to the north of me in Mount Zion. Um, and he stayed in this room. Uh, this is kind of a strange... I think it was kind of weird. I, I brought some friends down to see the podcast studio. And I, I just want them to see the uh, the setup, you know, like the computer and the, you know, whatever, soundboard or whatever. But it's kind of weird that there's a bed in here. So, um, anyhow, um, they were like, oh, okay. We didn't really expect to see a bed in the podcast studio, but... We make do, you know? We podcast where we can, so... I'm a little sensitive because some of our friends have critiqued our eating habits on the podcast, so I'm trying to chew this Starburst very slowly. Well, I I, I started <laughs> chewing it, and then all of a sudden you started, so I'm not going to eat any more. I had an orange. It was very nice. Father John ate it red. This is actually very difficult to intentionally eat this thing without making any unusual sounds but there we go there you go swallow swallow starburst <laughs> we have a great old monsignor ken leone who was my pastor at, at um saint francis bless Green. you that's what you said yeah. and uh father nathan's gesundheit and father nathan's predecessor and he was the starburst guy right He'd give out that was like his thing starburst yep, yep. everybody so much so that uh at what was it, his 25th anniversary of priesthood or his 60th birthday or something like that, they got a um, hot air balloon from Starburst. Get out of here. Yeah. Seriously? Yep. That's Leone. Yeah, it's Spirit of Christ. That yeah. is classic Leone, yeah. Yep, he's kind of a big deal. He's, yeah. given, he's given out, so he gave out Starburst to the kids, right? Right. Um, and then After if, Mass. After Mass, and then if it was your birthday, you got a full sleeve. You got a full sleeve. They yep. still do that at... At Spirit of Christ. Yeah, Leone is so funny. So um, Monsignor Leone was famous for calling us up during daily mass because he just loved that his high school kids were coming to daily mass in the summer. And so he would just, he would just, his homilies would be like, John, come up here. And what do you think Jesus wants to tell you about the gospel? And I'm like, wasn't paying attention at all and just totally. Right. So I show up at seminary and Monsignor is now retired as a pastor and he's this, he's one of the spiritual directors of the seminary. First mass, I'm I'm the new professor of dogmatic theology. Right, I'm sitting in the pews, kind of celebrating, still not paying attention to the gospel reading. Guess what he does? <laughs> John, would you come up here? And he calls me up in the seminary chapel, and I'm like bright red. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me! I'm going to die. And he's like, tell us your conversion story. This is like at a twelve ten mass, oh, uh, no. and I'm like, oh my goodness, these guys are like, who is this Hanyak? So, but that's Leone. 
Yep. He's a man of full surprises. Yeah, he um he tips two hundred percent. Do you oh, know yeah. this? Two hundred percent. Two hundred his 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 thing is uh if if the bill is well, I, I guess it's a hundred percent. Whatever the bill is, he gives it, but normally yeah. it's around like I mean it's it's calculated in terms of hundreds. Oh yeah. Um the guy has given away like I guess somebody asked him about it, and he's like, "I've probably given away over like two million dollars." Uh, People just give him money, and he just gives, gives it, away. it away. Kids yep. used to come to him for confession and knew they were going to get a twenty dollar bill. Yeah, that was so, crazy, and so much so that he didn't save a dime for his retirement. And then at the end of his, he just trusted the Lord, and somebody paid for it. And we got hammered as young priests, like don't even think about doing what Leone did. You know, right. you got to save for your retirement. And it's actually been an interesting thing that we've talked about a lot of like, yeah. there's something to it, man. He, but his secret was he was 5 a.m. or whatever it is. He had his cup of coffee and he was in front of the blessed sacrament for an hour. Every single, I, I don't thought, think, I don't think he missed an hour. I thought he did two hours. Yeah. I mean, he was, I don't think he's ever missed a day. Wow. Ever. Like uh, he's, he is one of the. He's a legend, and uh, yeah. But yeah, he uh, he was ex- is extremely generous. My brother uh, went on more dates, paid for because he would be at daily mass, and then it'd be like some random girl on the other side of the pews, and he'd be like, "Steve, I want you to take her out for pizza." And he's like, "She's like thirty five. I'm like you know twenty. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it was just Leone, uh, just classic. And he uh, he's a great presence. I tell you what, in the. Uh, in the seminary, but uh, he's the Starburst guy. And I guess when when he started doing it, Starburst was kind of a new thing. I don't know when these originated, you know? Like, when when, when was, like, when did the Wrigley, you know, corporation? Oh, really? Mar- is it Mars Wrigley? Wrigley. Well, I just well, read that Mars. on the back. Yeah. When did they create these delicious fruit chews, you know? Is it really Wrigley? Well, that's what it says there. But, oh, uh, Mars Wrigley. I bet, I bet Mars bought Wrigley. It was Mars for the longest time. It was, okay. Yeah, yeah of course you knew that. That's... Not it's surprising. True. Yeah. 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 So he is uh yeah, he's our guy. He's uh he's a great great priest here and uh I haven't seen him, you know, cuz he's in one of these uh, retirement communities that's been locked down for months. So I haven't I haven't seen him in a long time, but So he hasn't been back to the seminary. Yeah, I don't think so not yet. Yeah, he'll be back though soon. So anyways, Monsignor Leone, we love you. Yeah, he's a legend. He's a legend. So, uh today we're going to try to do a shorty. Uh yeah. we're uh we have other things on the docket, you know. Last time we finished the podcast, we were heading out to Father John's birthday, and today we got something else. So uh, we're, uh, we're something else. We're off and running. We'll keep it a mystery, you know. That's right. That's right. We're actually recording two. Right. We're going so, to my birthday. So party. Father John, Father John, we recorded the last one. It was pretty intense. I was going to do another one, which was also pretty intense. And instead of doing two intense ones, we're going to do another one. Right. Uh, that's uh, I think I think pretty good. Uh, it, it comes from uh, a surprising meeting. Um, we were asked by our archbishop uh, to go to a meeting of the deans and presbyteral council. So uh, I'm a member of the presbyteral council um, and our diocese. And so we went down to this He's thing. He's the chairman of the presbyteral council. Chair, I'm just putting chair, that out there. Chairperson. Yeah. Chairperson. Chairperson. That's right. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those jobs where it's just like nobody else wants to do it, so all of a sudden, like, you're on for it. So um, uh, so they asked us to come, and uh, and it, Archbishop gave one of the most engaging hour-long discussions that I've... The hour-long talks that I've ever heard him give, and um, I don't know if you had the chance to listen to it yet. Um, he's not going to answer that because sometimes Archbishop does listen. And oh, I, yeah, no, I haven't listened to it yet. Haven't. I will. 
It's in my, Will. In, in my inbox. Yep, it's in yep. his inbox. And as we know, his inbox likes to be clean. So until that's It's actually not in the inbox. It's in a folder. It's in a folder, which Sorry. means that he's not going to listen to it because he's going to forget about it. Well, I appreciate the encouragement. Anywho, so, um, but in the in the conference, uh, Archbishop made this important, I think this important distinction, which I think is great. We just celebrated the Feast of St. Monica, and um, a lot of people know... Great day, by the way. A great day. A great day. That's Father John's birthday. Right. I, I think that uh, saints actually match up with the person uh, on whose uh, day that they're born on. Uh, so, like, the person somehow imbibes the spirit of the person. Um, so, uh, John, Father John, uh, you know, models the conversion that St. Monica was... Nagging maternity? Is that what you're ...was going praying for? for. Anyways. Um, do you know who the saint is on my day? Mm-hmm. Ooh. April. Yeah, it's this is a tough one. I don't. I have 24th. no idea. 24th. I know. 24th. It's tough. 23rd is St. George. 25th is St. Mark. 24th is... St. Fidelis of Simmeringen, oh. which someday I'll do a podcast on him because uh, I think yeah. I actually imbibe some of his spirit. Catholic. Anywho. Yeah, there you go. Anyways. St. Monica is one of these people that uh, reminds us of the persons that we are in agony over uh, desiring to see their conversion. We want to see these people come to life. We want to see them uh, come to the fullness of life, which we believe is found in the church. It's not just we want you to, to kind of embrace Jesus so that you can stop, you know, this particular sin. But actually, we want you to become a full-fledged disciple of Jesus, um, a follower of his, giving your life to him, and then setting out on that great adventure, which is uh, the kind of after effects of conversion, which is beautiful because in the prayer of St. Monica, it actually mentions Augustine, uh, but it doesn't mention his name as St. Augustine. It just says her son, Augustine, and then, you know, as the church does it, uh, the next day is is his feast day. So St. Monica prayed uh, for her son to actually come back to the, to the fullness of life found in the church, um, and um, uh, what Archbishop was kind of pointing to was there really is two ways to pray. Uh, there, there's two ways to bring someone back to the church, and that's what I want to talk about today. The first is he says um, you you have to read the 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 story of the the lost sheep and the shepherd. So the shepherd goes in search of the lost sheep. We do need people that are actually willing to go out and find persons who are lost. Mm-hmm. Um, People can be lost in a, a variety of different ways. Um, we have people who are addicted. We have people who are living kind of uh, sinful lives. Uh, we have people who don't know the truth. Uh, we have people who are, um, I don't know, like uh, in sin and need to be brought back into the fold. Uh, it's important for us to actually have an evangelical spirit that goes out to actually seek them out and to save the lost. I would say, you know, Father Michael O'Loughlin is certainly somebody who goes to seek Absolutely. and to save the lost. Uh, he does that at late night bars um, <laughs> and uh, with his collar popped. Right. Uh, but he's willing to vest. engage. Nice, you know. Nice and snug. Nice and snug, the vest, the belt buckle. Right. He's got the whole bit, you know. Yes. Yeah, he's kind of a cowboy. You know, he's kind of the, the priest cowboy uh, with his belt buckle uh, and his belt that has, what, Psalm 90, 95 or yeah. something on it. Um, so, uh, but he's actually going out to have these conversations. And um, one of the things they taught us in Focus was you should pray uh, daily for the opportunity to share the gospel with one person. And anytime I've prayed that prayer, I've encountered somebody. Mm. 
I don't often like encountering that person because it takes time. It's difficult. Uh, sometimes it's a burden. Sometimes it comes at a moment that I'm not necessarily prepared for. Uh, but we have to go and seek and save the lost. So that's kind of the shepherd. Um, the shepherd is the one who knows that the sheep should be in the fold and can hear when they're not and are actually going after them. Um, I had a conversation with Father Nick Blaha this week that where I said, sometimes I don't want to be a shepherd. I want to be a farmer. Shepherds go in search of the lost sheep to bring them back. Farmers realize that sheep are actually stupid and dumb and probably lame and should just be put down so that we can get on with the business of raising other sheep. Um, so uh, I don't know if uh, I don't know if Jesus uh, considered that other image, but uh, um, can we put that on your Episcopal model when you're made a bishop? I don't know how we summarize that, but uh, yeah. I came I came not to seek the lost, but to destroy the lame. <laughs> That's what I. That's pretty much what I said. I was so mad. I called him the other day. Um, so I don't know. I mean, for me, I, I was just going to share, you know, autobiographically. Like uh, one of the moments that that I experienced uh, someone seeking after me uh, was probably was probably in uh, high school, and uh, you know, on one of these retreats. Um, these people that uh, go and do these like tech retreats or koinonia or awakenings or probably, you know, youth through Steubenville or whatever, the whole purpose of those events are actually to seek and to save the lost. And, yeah. and people are investing a lot of their time, their energy, they're willing to share their story in order that uh, people can, can encounter the truth. And uh, I wasn't found because I, you know, stumbled upon something. I was found because a, a friend of mine really encouraged me you should consider going on this retreat. Yeah. Um, and once I did, like that began the encounter with Jesus, uh, the lived encounter uh, with the living person of Jesus. And um, after after many tears, like uh, I opened my heart to him, and and the rest, you know, frankly, is kind of kind of history. But I don't know if you have any moments in your life where you kind of can identify the shepherds that. that yeah. No, I I, I, lo- I like it. The first thing that struck me as you were saying that was. Um, just the notion that it is possible to be lost, uh, that's actually pretty radical. If you think about kind of the postmodern worldview that we're living in, everybody's just kind of um, the culture of self-creation. There's no such thing as being lost. Everybody's just kind of becoming themselves. It's just everything is just, this is exactly the way you're supposed to be, and you get to kind of create who you are. So there's no there's no tell us there's no there's nothing that tethers us back to intelligibility or a plan or some kind of script that our life is based on some kind of notion of what happiness actually is that we have to kind of reorient ourselves to. So I just I find that striking that it's like yeah we need to we need to reaffirm that that people are lost, you know, everybody's lost in some way but that there are people who are seriously lost, gravely lost. Sure. Um and I certainly I think both of us would say we have been. Uh, the The person that comes to mind is a guy named Jim Beckman, who's now down in Oklahoma, but he was my youth minister in high school, and mm-hmm. he just made a point to um, to pursue me at a when I did not want, I didn't want any involvement, I didn't right. want any external kind of certainly from the from any Catholic position, and uh, but he had this kind of gentle, steady kind of persistence that was not intrusive and that was not, um, that, that, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't exuberant and it wasn't really even that flashy for him. It was, he was probably thinking this was a total waste, but it was, it was, it meant the world to me, you know? Yeah. 
and it, it changed my life. Yeah. So I think that there's something about that of like acknowledging the the fact that human beings can be lost, yeah. that they are lost, and that um, Jesus is sending us out there. Right. You know? And the bishop's point was like, uh, we should leave everything and to seek after the 99, uh, or to seek after the one. Uh, that's the farmer. Sometimes it feels you know? like the 99. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, the 99 are lost. I got we're kinda, one. We're kind of getting to that point. Yeah. Right? So... Um, yeah, so I would just say there is that dimension. There is that dimension in fatherhood. I think there's that dimension in in the maternal life. Uh, you know, parents going and seeking after their kids. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, when they when they are when they're on the wrong when they're on the wrong path. Interesting. The, uh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to tag in one last thing, like how radical it is to say somebody's lost, like. Um, my friend Kate Spacia, who just moved to Denver, was telling me that she was talking to this girl, very secular, kind of liberal mentality. She was speaking about a friend of hers who's a folks missionary, and the girl was so offended that somebody's a missionary. Like, you can't have a mission. There should be no mission yeah. uh, because there's nothing, there's no point. Like, because uh, there's nothing that is true, you know? There's no, there's no way. Christ is not the way. Right. There is no way. So there's no mission. So there's nobody who's lost, who's off the path. And I was like, whoa, that's, I mean, and she, and this girl was like, I mean, she, she believed it. And I was like, dang, that's kind of intense. You know, that's where the world's at right now. Yeah. Like even the concept of missionary is offensive to people because that presumes that there's a way and it presumes that there's a possibility of being lost. Yes. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, it just reminds me of the story of Father Goronsky in the hot tub and in the on the west coast or whatever where he asked a woman in the hot tub uh would you mind if i smoked because uh, back in the 70s and 80s you kind of had to ask permission if, if if you know you could smoke or whatever and she said to him quote honey you can do whatever the heck you want which is pretty much what the culture is saying right, right. now like right. do whatever you want honey right. um but for us like there really is a point where we have to go in search of the lost sheep but then archbishop made this really important this really important um kind of diptych where you can kind of see the two paralleling off each other because we know the story of the shepherd we know the story of the good shepherd we're like oh yeah we should go and seek and save the lost or whatever but he also says there's another way uh, to seek and to save uh, one who is lost and that is the image of the father from the prodigal son Mm. the father is the one uh who as he puts out uh waits prays begs and intercedes He's the stable presence where the son knows he can always return home to the father. What does the son say? Which um, I think it was Joe Digert, uh, Father Joe Digert, who figured out that this was actually a chiasm, that the story of the prodigal son is a chiasm where like the it parallels on both sides. And at the center of a chiasm is kind of that 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 nugget, that point. And the point is, I shall get up and go back to my father. I shall get up and return to my father. And at that point, it begins the return. Um, and But what is he returning to? Is he returning to a life? Is he returning to uh, a property? Is he returning to home? You know, people talk a lot of times about going home. It's like, no, I shall get up and go to my father. Mm-hmm. And the father is the one who waits, prays, begs, and intercedes. And I've seen and encountered so many people in my years of, uh, one, being a priest, two, being a member of this podcast, where people are really eager for us to actually 
save their children by by being you know priests like you know could you go after my son could you could you go like he's at college could you call him could you go out and seek him or whatever and there is a point at which the shepherd says no i'm not going like i'm not gonna i i don't have time to go and seek after every sheep i got a farm to run lady okay i got i got you know finance council whatever but i think what we do is what sometimes we discount what the ability of the role of the parent is to actually image the father in the story of the prodigal son where they wait pray beg and intercede and and that's that's the monica Mm-hmm. That's the Monica dimension of the church that actually says, Lord, this is outside of my power. And I don't know if I can make this happen, but you can. And uh, those parents that are actually waiting and begging and praying and interceding for their kids, there's a part of me that really wants to see them succeed more than the ones who go and seek and save the lost, because there is a way in which I think our God is one who is waiting mm-hmm. for us and begging for us and desiring us to return and is that stable presence and for my in my life i am the result of one who actually did that namely my grandma who just had to pray and intercede for my dad in all of those years of his kind of walking away uh, from the faith until finally that moment of return i think he returned uh because of uh you know Christian radio or something like that, uh, but also like these retreats. But I think that both of those dimensions are important in the church to actually have someone who's actually a stable, present intercessor suffering the loss of this person. Because the shepherd desires the sheep because he wants to see it back in the fold. But how much more does the father or the mother want to see the child back in the fold because it's their own child? Yeah. Yeah, that's a that. This is a really. Um, I should open that email and uh, listen to this. This is this is really good. I think. Uh, yeah, the we. Uh, well, I, I should say I, not we. I often downplay uh, and don't realize the importance of spiritual intercession, and the main reason for that is because I think in terms of efficiency and not in terms of fruitfulness. Hmm. So I often wonder how many old ladies praying the rosary for vocations did it take for me to actually say yes to God? Hmm. Because as Catholics, we don't believe that it's this kind of Christianity is not like golf where everybody's kind of playing their own game and, and uh, it's, it's very individualistic. It's more like rugby. I've talked about this before where everybody says it's, we're in this together and there's this, like the treasury of graces are applied. God's heart is moved. He waits for moments when when the old lady prays the rosary. You know, Nona Nona is uh, praying for Dave Goble to return to the faith. He meets Veronica. He goes on a retreat. His son has a conversion uh, and is a priest now. I mean, that's Father Nathan and that's my life as well. And I, I, I just think about Fruitfulness is, is if you have a vision for spiritual fruitfulness, you're going to be committed to intercessory prayer. If you're thinking in terms of efficiency, then it's all about, I got to say the right thing. I got to do the right thing. I have to kind of affect this thing like a CEO of a family and do everything perfectly so that my kids become the perfect product that I want. And we know a lot of people who 
are really faithful Catholics who raise kids who reject the faith. And I think this is a very consoling thing. And see, Monica, absolutely the model of this, of like, uh, and if I'm not mistaken, Monica's husband was not was not Christian. I think he became Christian. He became Christian, but yeah, but during Augustine's right. whole thing, she was doing the solo, you know? And uh, so, yeah, just to kind of shift the mentality to say that the, the, the order of, of fruitfulness is something that God does uh, and that it's... We mysteriously participate, but it's oftentimes in, like you said, the praying and the begging of begging. Just the, the begging is a powerless act. We don't. There's nothing that's gained from it. It's extremely humiliating, um, but yeah. it's a desperate act, yeah. you know. And uh, as Coach Bednar talks about, we got to play desperate hockey. This is Colorado Avalanche, right? That's coming tonight. We better four better, o'clock. We better get going. They're doing it right now. I know. We better we better play desperate. So there's something beautiful about intercession. That's all I'm saying. So go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I would just say um, there may not be. You may not see the realization of it in this life. And uh, we just celebrated, you know, Matt Tynan's mother's funeral. Um, and uh, and I would just say like. Uh, Father Matt or uh, Matt Tynan, uh, his brother committed suicide, and uh, I wonder what the effect of his mother, his mother's prayers, had on Tim's salvation. And I wonder now, now that we believe that Rosemary, who actually I believe you know has entered you know into the heavenly realm, I mean she received all of the sacraments, she lived a life of faith. Um, you know, she confessed her sins before she died. I mean, she's got a pretty good chance um, that now, like, she from the other side can pray and beg and wait and intercede for her son mm-hmm. so that even though she died years after him, she actually is the reason, one of the reasons why he is drawn into the light of God because of her maternal desire. And... uh Sometimes we don't see all of it immediately. It's nice that, you know, you get to see, your parents get to see the fruit of their labors uh, kind of born in, in your life. It's not over yet. You know, it's not in the barn yet. Uh, but, you know, it's, you're, on, you're definitely on the right track, and that's true for their other children as well. But, like, what about those parents who are still waiting and begging and interceding and actually don't know? And uh, I had a woman... Uh, who uh, whose son died of alcohol poisoning, um, and she said, uh, "Father, uh, I want you to preach about the devastation of alcohol and how sad it is that he has died. Uh, but I also do want you to say that, like there should be some hope, yeah. because I believe if there's anybody who can put my son through rehab, it's Jesus, mm. and that's what I desire for him. And uh, parents want so desperately for their children to come to life." And in the beginning, it's like they want to give them life through all these other things, you know, get them the best schools, get them on the soccer team, get them in the hockey squad, whatever. Uh, But then at some point they realize they want more than what the world can offer. And that's when I actually think parents really start adopting a stance of faith Yeah. because they say, Lord, I can't. I can't give this to them, but you can. And they start fulfilling this role of stable, steady presence for their children. So when they ask me, they're like, Father, how do I get my, how do I get my son to come to Mass? I mean, uh, we want them to hear you preach. Like, you know, could you talk to them? Could you meet with them? Could you send them the YouTube video, whatever? I'm like, you pray the rosary. You 
uh, intercede for them. You beg God for them. If you can, like, tell them. I mean, Monica didn't just shut her mouth. She told Augustine, like, this is what I, th- I think you should be doing. But, like, uh, I don't think she was cowed by, by his intellectual superior- superiority. I think she was like, you're acting like a fool. And our parents often are the ones that are able to tell us, like, I know that you'll get through this, but I don't know when. So I asked, I mean, uh, the last thing is I asked uh, uh, Tim Pennock once. I said, how are you doing? And he said, quote, uh, a father's only as good as his, as his worst child. So he might be doing great, but if his child isn't doing great, he's not doing great. Hmm. And uh, I think that we need to adopt that stance in some ways as well in the church, where it's just like, yeah, we're, we're doing great. Like, there are a lot of things that are, that are going well, but a lot of our children aren't doing well, and we desire that. We eagerly desire that. So we need to have shepherds, and we also need to have fathers and mothers who, that are stable presences in the house so that the kid knows where to go home to. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I just made this connection. Uh, a lot of times with missing persons, the family don't change addresses because they say, I always want the child to know they can come back to this house. Because if they left, where would they go? Yeah. Um, and I would say that that's important, especially in the church, too. Like, we've got to be stable presences in the house of God so that the children know uh, where to go home to. The two temptations, I think, with uh, for a parent with, when, with a kind of a child who is prodigal, like we were, the two temptations are to just condone the lifestyle, just kind of give in, and the other one is just to hammer him and right. to, or just to kind of ultimatum. Right, and this is a profound way of uh, powerlessness to say, "No, I it, it's it's theological hope, which it means I'm able to live right now in the promise. I don't have to collapse the tension uh, of unknowing, but I'm able to, I'm able to live in the in the mystery of this human life, sure. in the mystery of this freedom, in the mystery of God's providence, trusting that He's gonna it's it's all gonna be okay. He's gonna He's gonna provide." Yeah. And that I've done what I can, and I will do what I can, but that I'm I'm pretty limited, right? And uh, there's a lot of a lot of fr- family and friends who who feel this. You know, it's like we had the perfect ingredients, we had the perfect recipe for great Catholic kids, and they went off the rails, right? What do you do? Well, I think this is the way. I think this is the way forward. But we got to have some people who are shepherds, and you got to get out there, and you got to get on the campus at NDSU. You know, that's right. And work with uh, Father Jim Cheney, uh, who didn't know who I was last week. But that's True. Okay. But uh, who like it's it's important. But, you know, focus is a great impetus of this shepherd mentality. But it has to be matched by that spiritual intercession, which is silent and powerless and just before the Lord. It's at, yeah. the, cro- at the foot of the cross. It That's the source of it. That's the power for all of us priests who are all of us who are shepherds. It's like we got to have that. That's the foundation. Yeah. And so, I would say everybody, everybody has the capacity to be both. Right. And I think that we have to err on, we, we, we have to err on both sides, if that's, if you can even say that, like, uh, that we, we should actually tend towards shepherding at times, but we should also realize that there are some people that we just have to be stable presences for and light a candle right. know, and, and hope. So right. that's it. Uh, well, that was positive and encouraging, unlike the last Caleb! podcast. So nice. I would just say, uh, if we can, uh, let's just say a quick prayer to St. Monica uh, for no all, the, for all the people. 
I mean, like, who are you going to shout out now? I guess I'm not going to shout out anybody. I'll go in and intercede for them. Okay. Well, I mean, who are the people? What I'm saying is, who are the people that you want to shout out? Like, hey, these are the people that I want back in the church. No, no, we're not going to do that. I do. All right. <laughs> no, yeah. We're not doing that. I'm doing that. Okay. You so do what you, you so do uh, you. right now, right now, I want you to say, <laughs> not into the microphone, but somebody right now is listening to this podcast. I want you to say that person's name. Or three people's names that you want to see back in the oh, church. Oh, you're talking to the listeners. Yeah. Okay, you're not talking to me. Okay, good. Yeah, but you know them. You, you know, know people that you are in agony over, and you actually you actually want to see back in the church. So we beg uh, Jesus, the good shepherd, uh, the one who calls us back to the house of the Father through the intercession of St. Monica uh, to bring these uh, persons uh, to the maximal amount of grace in their life uh, so that they may know and believe uh, that, that God has died for them and loves them and calls them back home. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was, was in the beginning, beginning is now, and ever shall be, world, world without end. end. Amen. Amen. St. Monica, pray, pray for, for us. us. Folks, we're off to uh, German Beer Fest. Andex Weissbierdunkel awaits us. So, Wait, uh, seriously? Yeah. Oh, you're the best. Best friend ever. Best friend ever. You're not a minivan. All right, Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Great topic tonight. Well done, Goble. Great. We love hearing from you, so you know, send us emails if you got any thoughts, questions on any of this stuff, and uh, we'll see you next week. Ciao, ciao.